Good morning, church. I uh, did this earlier, and it turned out that I had the camera sideways. So I'm going to redo this uh, for anyone who wants to actually see it right side up. So um, hopefully people will be able to watch this later. It's an odd thing. It's Sunday morning, and I am used to being at church and at meetings and leading in worship and reading scripture, praying in community. And to be doing this online just feels odd to me, uh, but we're in an odd time. Uh, we're in uncertain times. We're in uncharted waters. And so we do what we need to do. Um, there's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of panic uh, in regard to health, in regard to safety, in regard to our loved ones, in regard to the economy. And what good can come from all of this? <clears throat> well, I always try to look at the best side of things and look for opportunities in life. And so I wanted to focus on that today. So we will do that. Um, but I also wanted to be able to treat this as if it's a worship service. And it's very interesting. I'm part of a group that receives an email scripture reading every day. And so that is part of my own devotional routine is every morning I read the scripture that is sent from this email group and uh, I'm able to um, meditate on that and pray on that. I really enjoy that. And I think these are probably chosen months, if not a year in advance. And so I found it so interesting that the scripture they sent out today was this one. And so I want to read that to start this worship. From Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar, and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this scripture that reminds you reminds us that you are our refuge. You are our protector. 
You are our safety. You are our help in times of trouble. Right now, we feel that we're in a time of trouble. We're concerned about all that is going on in the world, globally, Lord God. And we've kind of retreated to our homes. Lord, remind us of your presence. We don't need to be anywhere to find you. You are with us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would learn to trust in you, to find our strength in you, to find our courage in you as we face these uncertain days. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So every Thursday, I have a Bible study called the Pastor's Bible Study. And each Thursday, we read scripture together and discuss it. And we've been going through the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, uh, the title of the Bible study at this time is called uh, Finding Jesus in Exodus. And part of what we read recently really struck me um, because we don't really talk about these things very often in our modern world. And what we read uh, what we read a couple weeks ago, Exodus chapter 23, verses 10 through 13. Hear the word of God. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and be fallow, so that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the wild animals may eat. You shall do the same with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, so that your ox and your donkey may have relief, and your home-born servants and your resident aliens may be refreshed. Be attentive to all I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. God has established a kind of rhythm to our lives. God has established a sense of work and rest, of labor and of Sabbath. And so I think, and I worry in our own societies, if we've kind of lost that, if we've lost sight of that. And when I read this, I'm just reminded once again that even at the since the dawn of time, God created this pattern. From the creation, God established a rhythm. In six days, God created all things the heavens and the earth, all living and good things. But on the seventh day, God rested. Now, why? Why did God rest? Was it because he was tired? <laughs> that sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? God is not tired. God does not grow weary. God does not need to rest. The Sabbath day that God took was a recognition and a way of setting a precedent for all human beings to follow. Now, a Sabbath is a day of religious observance and abstinence from work. So it's a combination of two. We are meant to rest, but not just be docile. We are meant to rest and devote time to God. It was first used, the term Shabbat or Sabbath was first used in Exodus chapter 16, a few chapters before what we just read, when Moses said to the people of Israel, today is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So Shabbat 
uh, today is a day of holy, of solemn rest, is, a, is meant to say that it's a day to rest from labor. It's a day to rest from your work. But then it says, a holy Shabbat to the Lord. Holy, of course, means set apart, consecrated unto the Lord. And in the Tanakh, they talk about the purpose, the threefold purpose of the Shabbat. It's to commemorate God's creation. It's to commemorate God's redemptive work with the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And it's meant to be a foretaste of what is called Olam Haba, which means Messianic age. So it's meant to look to the future as well. It's meant to be both or past and present and future. It's a time to remember, it's a time to rest, and it's a time to look forward. It's a time to remember God as creator, to rest in the fact that God is our redeemer, and to look forward to God as our hope, our future promise. And when we rest, we rest from labor and from things of work, but we also rest in we rest in the knowledge that God created all things good. We rest in the knowledge that God redeemed us from sin. We rest in uh, the fact that in life and in death we belong to God. We rest in the knowledge that our future is secure. And in that rest, our bodies recuperate, our minds are restored, our emotions are relaxed and our spirits are recreated. That's why this was actually a commandment, one of the Ten Commandments to, res to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So it's meant to be a day of rest as well as a day of worship. We were made to worship. God created us to worship. We were created to do good works. We we're created to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the Shabbat, the Sabbath, was set aside as a day for us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's good for us. It's not meant for God. The Sabbath was not created for God's sake. It's created for our sake. Jesus even said this, right? He said to the religious leaders of his day that the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. God, God doesn't need our worship. The psalmist says that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. Everything is God's. Everything belongs to God. God needs nothing from us. It is for our sakes that we keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for our benefits. We need it. We need the rest. So we get back to Exodus 23, where God commands the people of Israel, for six years you shall harvest the land, but on the seventh year you are to let it lie fallow, to let the land rest. Now, if you talk to a farmer, before the time of fertilizer, this was just good practice. It allowed the, the land to recuperate. It allowed the land to rest, to regenerate, to become restored. 
Uh, and, and as is the case naturally, if the land is left alone, the plants will continue to grow fruit. And I love the fact that the commandment includes that you don't go out and harvest this food. You leave this food for those who are less fortunate than you, for the poor among you, and after that for the animals. To take a break was good for the land, but it was also good for the farmer, and it was good for the family of the farmer. So here we are, at this time in March 2020, and we're in a kind of forced Sabbath. For the first time that I can ever remember, people all over the world are being forced to stop, to stop their regular work, to stop their regular lives, their regular activities, and just stay home. And most of us are responding with kind of a sense of fear. <laughs> What's funny to me, when I think about what one of the main complaints I've heard throughout my ministry is that we're so busy. Our lives are frantic. We are stressed out. Uh, we have so many deadlines to get done. We have to get this done and then this done and then I have to get this done. And it's just constant. It never stops. We've given up the Sabbath years ago. How often? I mean, how, how many of you remember? Some of our older members in the church will We'll talk about this often. I remember when everything was closed on Sunday. You went to church. You stayed with family. That was it. Now, everything's open on Sunday. In fact, it's one of the biggest sale days because they're trying to get you to come in. And so they have all kinds of sales on weekends, right? And we've lost that sense of Sabbath. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And so here we find ourselves almost in a forced Sabbath, but it's not just one day. It's going to be at least two weeks. It could be three weeks. It could be months. That's why I focused on this passage when it talked about a year. I don't know that we'll be in our homes for a year, but suddenly we're forced to stop. A forced rest it seems kind of uh, mind-boggling to me. A forced rest. Rest should be voluntary, right? So for me, I'm taking the time to breathe. Just breathe. To rest. Just rest. To be still. And know that God is God. To be restored. To be regenerated. To be recreated. I'm trying to see this time, this forced Sabbath, as an opportunity. Here's some ideas that you might consider as you look at the days ahead. Take time to remember. Take time to reflect on God's goodness, God's creative beauty. We can still walk. We can take walks out in nature. 
Take time to focus on God's creation. Take time to think about God's faithfulness, not just in your own life, but in past lives, in the history of humankind, but even in the history of your own family. How has God shown faithfulness? Take time to remember God's steadfast love. That love never changes. Be thankful for it. A second opportunity for me is to rest. To rest. <laughs> Maybe not set my alarm clock and just take time to sleep as much as I need to sleep and relax as much as I need to relax and not feel guilty for that. Rest in the knowledge that God is in control. Maybe take time to read a book you haven't read. Go through some storage boxes you haven't looked through that need to be cleaned out. Giving up the opportunity or the need to control every moment of our lives and replacing that with trust in God. Another opportunity is to reconnect. Reconnect with family. If you live with family, you're stuck with them. <laughs> you're going to be living with them for a while. So take time to enjoy that. Play some games together. Have conversations. Maybe have people take turns writing questions down and having times where you have questions that each person in the, in the family uh, responds to. And of course, just because we have stopped traveling as much, the internets are still up. The internet is still up. Uh, phone lines are still up. So call people. I talked to my sister for nearly an hour and a half yesterday. It was great. So take time to reconnect with family. Um, if you have the opportunity to use video chat, I know that's always best because you can see the other person and you can see body language and it's so much easier than talking on the phone for me. A fourth opportunity that we have uh, is to stop commerce for a while. Um, one of the things about the Sabbath was that you were supposed to stop business and that's why stores were closed for many, many centuries up until more recently. You know, just looking at what's been happening in American society in the last week, it's a reminder how intense we can be. I mean, you go to Costco and people are fighting over toilet paper. It boggles my mind. Uh, but Sabbath is meant to be a time of rest to remind us that we are in control of our desires. Our desires are not in control of us. So take time to slow down on the commerce, the slowdown of the buying of the things. We, we are in control of what we purchase. What we purchase is not in control of us. Another opportunity is to reflect, to remember, to remember God's creative goodness, to remember God's redemptive goodness. Take time to remember the gospel. Even spend some time in God's word. I hear people all the time say, I'm just too busy to have a decent devotional life. Well, now you're not. You have no excuses anymore. We have opportunities to take time to spend time in God's word. Read it, reflect on it, pray on it. 
consider Jesus' life coming to this earth, uh, living here, preaching the gospel, both in word and in deed, suffering on the cross, being resurrected and ascending to, into heaven. We're in the season of Lent, a season when we have to give things up. Well, now we're forced to give things up. But we're not, supposed, we're not only to give things up. We're supposed to fill that time and that space with other things. And one of those things is spending time in God's word. So reflect on God. And reflect on the fact, uh, just as the Israelites reflected on the fact that God redeemed them from uh, the land of Egypt and from slavery, so consider how God has redeemed us from the slavery of sin. And imagine, think about, what are the Egypts in my life? What are the areas that have held me bound in the past? And how has God redeemed me from those things? What are the Egypts in your life? Maybe keep a journal during this time. It's such a great practice. Keeping a journal, maybe writing down one verse that really hit you in your scripture reading, and then writing down one prayer that you're working on at that time. A sixth opportunity is to do good. In the passage that we read from Exodus 23, it reminds us that just leaving the field fallow is not enough. Allow the poor to go and glean from what is left over. That's doing good. That's opening the gate for others to um, take benefit from that. So during this time, do good. Check on your neighbors, especially the neighbors that are elderly. I was so impressed that one of uh, the regular attenders of our church contacted me this past week and said, you know, I understand that some of our members are older and they're part of that vulnerable group. And so I want to be sure that they have opportunity to have groceries and they may not feel comfortable going into a public grocery store because they're part of the vulnerable group. So I would like to offer to go and pick up groceries for people. And I was like, that is so great. So I included that message in our e-news to our congregation, that if you need somebody to get groceries for you, please contact me and we'll be sure that that happens. And as soon as I sent that e-news out, I got a bunch of responses from other members of the church saying, I'll do that too. If you know of anybody that needs groceries, contact me and I will go and do that. That is doing good. That's not just simply resting and making it all about me, but it's taking the opportunity to rest and then do good to others. So I want to encourage you to do that. And the fact is that as we allow ourselves to serve others, we end up feeling the blessing ourselves. So it does become about us in the end. We do experience God's rich blessings as we seek to bless others. And a final opportunity that I see is to, to find delight in the situation. You know, the people of Israel had turned their backs on God and they had 
refrained from keeping the Sabbath. And God did not like that at all. And he said that they were trampling on the Sabbath. And so in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and following, God says this to the people of Israel. If you refrain from trampling on the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, you think about that. How often do we pursue our own interests on what should be God's day? If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Rather than seeing this time of forced Sabbath as a negative, what if we find delight in it? I was so struck by watching the news this past week and seeing the people of Italy who have been in quarantine for a while now, um, finding delight in their situation and stepping out onto the patios of their apartments and singing together. Now, I know it's really difficult. Italy is in much worse straits than we are right now. But they were finding delight in the moment. We are in the midst of unprecedented times. I know it would be very easy to focus on panic and fear. But I'm trying to remember to focus on this as an opportunity. An opportunity to do things that I don't normally have time to do. To remember. To reflect. To be restored. Regenerated. Rejuvenated. Recreated. And to do good to those I see in need. And ultimately, to take delight in the Lord. God says, be still and know that I am God. This is an opportunity for us to do just that, to be still and know that God is God. Now our president has called for today to be a national day of prayer. And I know some of us may not have strong, well, some of us have strong feelings about the president one way and the other. But really, no matter how you feel about the president, prayer is never a bad thing. So I am going to close with a prayer and uh, and then uh, we're going to, I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer and you can pray along with me. This prayer comes from Gina Smith, Eight Things to Pray When the World is in Health Crisis. And it's, she is the coordinator for Million Praying Moms. And I really like this prayer. It's based 100% on scripture. And so I'm going to pray this and then pray the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a cursed world because of the fall of humankind. And we look forward to the day when the curse will be lifted 
and creation will be restored to what you originally intended it to be. You never intended for sickness and tragedy that we experience in this world to exist. It seems like every day there is news about some new disease or disaster that has taken place. Help us to remember that you are sovereign over all things. Your word talks about the things that will happen before you come back. Whether or not we are seeing and experiencing today means we are living in the end times. I pray that all that is happening would be a reminder that life is temporary and that we would see all of this as an opportunity for spreading of the gospel. I pray that people would be drawn to you as a result of this health scare. It's easy to become fearful as we look around us, yet we know that you are sovereign and that nothing can touch us without your permission. Help us to remember that our future is ultimately in your hands and that we can rest in you, casting all our cares and anxiety on you because you care for us. We know that our life and times are in your hands. We commit ourselves and our loved ones into your capable hands. Even though it is wise to take every precaution during this present health scare, we realize that ultimately our hope is in you alone and that being anxious cannot add even one second to our lifespan. Thank you for your promise that there is more to life than we can see, that we have so much to look forward to when your future kingdom comes and that what we experience is light and momentary compared to what you have waiting for us in heaven. We look to you and cling to your word for hope, for comfort, and for truth. Please give us compassion for those who are fearful, and may our faith in you be used to offer hope to those around us. I pray this in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace, shalom, wholeness, fullness of life, both now and forevermore. Amen.